All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan of the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. So uh, we spent a great deal of the first hour talking about the Jays going into Colorado uh, for a three-game series starting tomorrow. Ryan Spielborgs will join us, and I'll ask him if he can explain to me why Mr. Barker thinks for three that, games thinks that all the stuff about everybody's going to be altitude dragging around tanks. He thinks that it's all days. it's all BS. Yeah, it's all BS for three days. I yeah, do a little altitude doesn't make any difference. I mean, it's more pitchers, and they play once a. They're going to play one time. Everything you've been told about Colorado is wrong. <laughs> really? According to Kevin. I lived there for 17 years. That's all. Anyhow, he'll join us. Uh, we mentioned the Jays have tonight off. We will have the Braves and the Dodgers on Sportsnet 1 tonight. Uh, an NLCS preview, it would appear. Uh, and a pretty good pitching match, uh, matchup, Lance Lynn against against Spencer Strider. Uh, we spent also the, a large part of the show talking about the waiver I guess calling it waiver claim day with the uh, LA Angels essentially putting a fifth of their uh, roster on waivers. The Guardians have picked up uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, Matt Moore, and Ronaldo Lopez from the Angels. Uh, Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader went to the Reds. Dominic Leone went to the uh, Mariners. Uh, Randall Gritchick went unclaimed. And, uh, you know, hence those who are suggesting that the Blue Jays might have an interest in, in, in Randall Gritchick. Um, apparently that wasn't the case when we've been led to believe that Hunter Renfro was the guy that, that they were really focused on, but Hunter Renfro was never going to get to them because of the waiver process. So I want to talk about the waiver process with our next guest, David Sampson, host of nothing personal with David Sampson, former Marlins president joins us on Blair and Barker. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Look, I, you know, when, when the angels, uh, put these five players on waivers, like a lot of people, my immediate reaction was kind of, oh, my God, it's a travesty. And, you know, and it, it takes away from the trade deadline, et cetera, et cetera. And then I kind of thought about it for a minute. And, you know, other it, it's it's an outlier because of Shohei Otani, because of what the Angels did. But, I mean, other teams put guys in waivers at this time of the year. And, you know, I don't know, can you go to a team and say, hey, you can't put Randall Gritchick or Hunter Renfro on waivers, but if you want to put John Smith and you know Pete Johnson on waivers, go ahead, do that. Is like did 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 LA violate anything here by doing this? Absolutely not. And I'm the first one to criticize Moreno. I know always. you are. But this is exactly what all teams do. When there used to be an August 31st waiver trade deadline, we all used to put all our players on waivers, and it's supposed to be confidential. The players aren't supposed to know about it. And you hope that some of your players get claimed. We gave Cody Ross to the San Francisco Giants before he won the LCS MVP. We put him through waivers because we were out of it, and we wanted to save the money. And what teams used to do is claim players to block you from trading right. to the, their competitor. So in theory, what the Giants did is they would claim Cody Ross, and then you'd pull him back. And what that means is the player can only be traded to the team that was awarded the claim. In that case, the Giants. We called the Giants and we said, thank you for claiming him. He's on the next plane to San Francisco. And Larry Bear said, what are you talking about? You can't give him to us. We don't want him. We're not taking on the money. And we said, well, you blocked him. You, 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 wait, you claimed him. Well, we just didn't want the Dodgers to get him. Well, guess what? The Dodgers didn't get him. You did. Yeah. Now, of course, it all worked out well. But players go through waivers all the time. 
when MLB got rid of the August 31st trade deadline, they did it because they wanted more interest in the July 31st trade deadline. What they forgot to take into account is that if you are allowed to set your postseason rosters by August 31st, which is still the rule, there are going to be teams who are in it July 31 and out of it August 31. And what we used to do is trade for a player in June, take on the money, and say, hey, if we're not in it, we'll move that player again before the deadline. Mm -hmm. So let's act quickly and try to be good in the early part of the summer. Yeah, do you so think... totally normal, Jeff. Yeah. No, I, and, uh, you know, again, my first... I, and I was thinking, well, it kind of goes against the letter of the law... Uh, not the letter of the law, the, uh, you know, the spirit of the law. It really doesn't. I, the, the more I think about it... And, and I think it also... I mean, how much of this, David, was Otani specific? You know, this was an organization. You had kind of a confluence of events with the Angels. Uh, you know, they're they're in it. They kind of wanted to show Shohei Otani that they were willing to go for it. I mean, there were a lot of various pressures. And you know, let's face it, you've also got an owner who is a bit of a he can be loopy. Uh, you've also got an owner involved in this situation who's going to, you know, that that's kind of the wild card here. But it their GM said it. Their GM said we're rolling the dice when they traded, yeah. when they added. He said it, and they came up snake eyes, and they made an adjustment. Now, it's terrible that they gave up their second and third best prospect for one month of Giolito. I get it. It looks – it's terrible. But you know what? Fans want your owner to go for it. They want your owner to spend money. But you got to be realistic. They're not in it, just like the Yankees. Of course let Bader go. Right. The Yankees aren't in the race. It made perfect sense to me. Uh, do you think there's any chance that as a result of this, Major League Baseball will? There's no way they would move the trade deadline again, is there? Like I kind of, I've, I mean, the way it, it's always struck me, Zod, with the with the wild card setup, things can change so much. Um, you know, it's not just this year; last year as well. Teams that were in it in July 31st, uh, you know, weren't in it on August 29th, and uh, I, I don't know. Maybe do you look at? Having two trade deadlines again, or moving back the trade deadline, I, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you'd square that circle. Maybe it's just what we it is. We used to debate it. We used to debate it all the time at owners meetings. It, what, what, when is the best time for the deadline? And GMs want as long as possible to sure. find out about their team. Baseball wants as much action as possible so they can own the day. And there can be the excitement of all the trades when all the networks get programming where they can be live for six hours what ESPN does and what TSN does and CBS, they want those trade deadline specials. But in order for networks to, to actually give you those hours, there's got to be action. And in order for there to be action, there has to be a true deadline. And what teams had said to baseball was, well, if we don't get it done July 31, no problem. We'll get a guy through waivers and trade him by August 31. And that's when baseball changed the rule and said, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to make you make trades by July 31. And so it's worked because the trade deadlines have been exciting. But then one of the results is that you haven't eliminated the waiver process. So the only way to change what happened today is to make postseason rosters firm on July 31st instead of August 31st. Ooh. And they will not get 23 votes for that yeah. under any scenario. Yeah, I'm not certain as a fan I would even want that. That's kind of, um, yeah. I, I see Listen, it happened. Seattle yeah. got so hot. So, I mean, who could have expected they'd have their best month ever? And, and the Angels have their worst month ever. 
you don't know if that's going to happen. And it just happened to happen. And, and the angels happen to have players who other teams would want, and they'd have the ability to save money and get under a competitive balance tax level. It would be irresponsible for Artie not to put those guys on waivers. Mm-hmm. David, staying in the West is if you're a Rangers fan, should you be worried or is it a blimp in the season? We had a one in nine stretch in August, the year we won the World Series, and we thought the world was coming to an end. And then we had an eight and one run right after it. Uh, I, so I understand exactly how Rangers fans feel because we felt it in the front office as well. It's a little different now because we couldn't win the division that year. So it was wild card or nothing from the Rangers standpoint. You want to believe it's wild card or nothing. Cause you want Toronto to take the spot. But I think the Rangers are thinking to themselves, Hey, we'd like to win the division, but we feel pretty good about the wild card, even losing nine out of 10. But you look at the Rangers offense, you look at their pitching. They're just having one of those moments that happens in a season I'm not sure they should be overly concerned, but certainly they're now subject to a team getting hot like the Blue Jays or the or the, even the Red Sox, although it's unlikely, but a team getting hot and overtaking them and having the Rangers miss the playoffs. It's not out of the question. It's certainly in their minds, but it's just not likely. Uh, when playoff teams like the Blue Jays are, are playing bad teams this time of the year, they got the Rockies, Oakland, and Kansas City the next nine games. I wonder what the coach's job is in those games, right? I mean, it's basically you're going in there expecting to go 8-1, and 9-0. It's not easy. It's no, baseball. No, it, no, no, no. How do you do that? Can I stop you? I got to stop you. That, you, you. They're not going in saying we have to go 9-0. and or even eight and one. You definitely start as a minimum of six, three. You've got to win every series. And the hope is that you can sweep one of them and then go seven and two. So when you're doing your calculation of this little run of games, I would say seven and two is your upside. Six and three is your base case. You better do it. And God forbid you go four and five and you end up losing the series. Uh, that is a problem. Did you do that in the front office? Did you sit around going this part of the schedule? I, we better go, you know, six and four. Well, like you just said, seven and yeah. two for the Jays. Like you guys did that in the front office. I calculated every single series from the trade deadline to the end of the season on how to get to 90 games every single year. And then I would keep track. Are we one game behind schedule? Are we one game ahead of schedule? When we were uh, 1-1 in a series and you're playing on a Sunday on a getaway day, we'd say to the players, guys, this is a must win for our schedule. We've got to get this win so we win this series. Uh, And when you're playing opponents that you have to beat, uh, you count on winning every series, especially at this point in the season. You can't afford to lose even one of those next three series. That's a great answer. Uh, What do you think the Jays' chances are right now? You know, I, I we've talked about this so many times together. They're they're really reminding me of the of my 05 team where we were so good and the players kept saying, Don't worry, we're gonna be fine. We're mm-hmm. good. Don't worry. And then all of a sudden you woke up and the season was over and we didn't make the playoffs. And I I I really expected the Jays to wake up by now, but there's still a month. So I'm not panicked about it, even though I chose Toronto to win the division. And I'm not going to win that, but I'm not panicked, but I worry that they're not going to wake up. But two and a half back is nothing. They're well within range. 
I mean, they are over 10 games over, which is where you want to be because it makes it easier to get to 20 over, which is the 91 and 71, right? You have to get to 10 games over. That was always our, when you're below 500, you always say, just get to 500 and we'll run from there. When you're 10 over, you say, get to 20 over with a week left in the season. So you can play 500 the last week without pressure and you win your 91 games. So this is the three-week stretch for me for the Blue Jays where they need to make their move, and I hope that they don't sort of say, oh, it's going to happen manana, manana, because we're almost out of manana. David, how difficult is it now to judge the work of a manager or a general manager in in an analytic mm. age? You know, like it's mm. – I mean, look, when, when I went back when I covered baseball and wrote, you could write, fire the manager – and you know, it was your opinion. Fire the manager. Now, though, you know, even you know, when I write or I think about it, I've got to I, I've got to remind myself, though. Yeah, okay, but how much of what I'm actually seeing is the result of the manager managing or the manager kind of sort of being forced to do things by people around Great him question. that he may not want to do? Right? Like, how do you? How do you? And it just seems to me guys don't get fired that much anymore. Like, I, I don't here's know what's changed. It, it's funny. It's a great question. And, and I think about this too. What's changed is how we evaluate managers. Okay. So I'm not evaluating when it's analytics and we are giving the manager the batting order. I'm not evaluating his ability to put a batting order together. When analytically we're telling him which pitchers are available and how long they can go and that we make them take out Blake Snell after five innings and not go three times through a lineup, no matter how he's pitching, I am not blaming the manager when that is what the numbers said, because sometimes it doesn't work out because you still have to play the season. You have to play the game no matter what the numbers say. But the way we are evaluating the manager, has he lost the clubhouse? Has, is there a culture? Is there a culture issue? Is there an effort issue? Is there a, some sort of lack of understanding of working with the front office and working with the players and trying to bridge the gap between front office and players? All of those things have become more heavily weighted in the managerial evaluation process than in-game management, which used to be really highly evaluated. Wow, this guy can't manage a bullpen. Well, we don't say that much anymore because the bullpen is managed for him. He's told who to put in when. So non-delusional president's owners don't have scapegoats for people who do things that weren't their decision. Delusional ones blame employees for things they didn't do because they don't want to blame themselves. How do you judge a general manager then Mm. in that context? So we would keep track. We would have documents where we'd keep track of, of scouts uh, and who they wanted to trade for, who they wanted to sign, which minor league free agents. um, And, and GMs are only as good as their scouts. So keep in mind when minor league free agents are signed in the off season, it is very rare and Mark can say what he wants, or Russ can say what he wants, they, they count on their guys. And they have their guys because they want their guys. And if we're not getting good minor league free agents or good AAA players as depth, that's not a president who decides that. There's a budget for that, but then the GM empowers his guys to identify who those signings will be, and you can then track it and evaluate it, and that helps you evaluate a GM. But a lot of what a GM does now and what's more heavily weighted is the business of being a GM. You're running a huge cost center of your organization, 
And it is very important for a GM to be able to be a manager of people. And that's the funny thing about this urge that people have to hire analytic young people to be GMs, not understanding that there is such an important part of the job, which is managing people, managing players, managing employees, managing player development and scouting. And uh, that is how I would evaluate general managers. David, whenever you heard the team's best players coming out and saying things like, uh, you know, we see other lineups having consistent approaches uh, it's time. It's time of the year for us to all step up. We like, need to I, be more fearless. I, yeah, and we need yeah. to play with urgency. All the go. things we've heard from Kevin Gossman and Bo, basically. I, yeah, yeah. and Chris it. and Chris Bassett. What What does that tell you? Anything? Yeah, I can't stand it. Uh, I, I I find that to be total horse hockey. So if you need your hitting coach, I want my hitting coach to break down a pitcher and help my hitters understand what they need to do against a particular pitcher in a particular situation. That is the, the, what a hitting coach can do, but to motivate a player to understand the significance of a moment. Come on. We're professionals here. When there's a runner on third and one out, I don't need a hitting coach to remind you that we need contact when the infield's back and they're giving you a run. I don't need the, the hitting coach to tell the hitter, Hey, don't strike out here. The hitters know that, and if they don't, that's their problem, not the hitting coaches. David, I know you uh, talked in your podcast and on social media about the incident we saw in uh, in, in Colorado earlier this week with Ronald yeah. Acuna and a couple of fans running on the field. I, I was first of all, I was surprised that a bigger deal wasn't wasn't made of it because I, I watched it and it scared the hell out of me. Um, me too. It, I mean, it, it, it terrified me. Um, it does reinforce that there, there's only so much, there's only so much you can do, but you know, part of me wonders, are we, are we going to get to the point where, you know, uh, I mean, you've already got netting all the way down because of foul balls and that, is there ever a way to protect uh, players from fans? Because, you know, we see at the Rogers center, the whole point of focus has been putting the fans closer to the players. Mm -hmm. And I see things we like that. And, and I just, I don't know if you can do anything about it, but just a sense chills it, it just sent chills down my spine because I just, you know, if someone ran up to you on the on, on the mm. on the street to give you a hug and you didn't know who they were, you'd, you'd be terrified. Yeah. So this is a a longer conversation. I don't know how much we have. I'll talk. We've got time. I'll make it short. But yeah. think about what's happening right now in our society, where people feel it's okay to throw batteries at performers on a stage. People feel like it's okay to do what Will Smith did and, and, and rush a stage or comedians rush a stage. Uh, what happened to Monica Seles, people may not remember. She got stabbed during a changeover by a crazy fan. Yeah. Yet what we're doing is we want fans closer to players and closer to the action because we can charge more. The more they feel like they're part of the game, then we can charge them more money. But the downside is that Social mores have been disappearing thread by thread. The appropriate way to act has been destroyed moment by moment where people don't have boundaries anymore. A lot of that is social media where you think you know someone because you follow them on social media. We don't know Taylor Swift because we follow her or Messi because he's got 100 million followers. But yet we think we do because we know when he goes to Publix and goes shopping. And this is a big issue, not just in sports, but in the world of entertainment and in the world of everyday life. 
And so I'm petrified about it because the acts of the few are going to destroy the pleasure of the many. And that's too bad when that happens. And so baseball, like entertainers, are going to do things to make it harder to engage with the talent because they can't take the risk. And does it mean netting in the outfield? Does it mean making sure there's netting or fencing around the whole ballpark? Not out of the question. Because we teach our players, and that's one thing that we have to mention here, Jeff, um, is that the players are supposed to run away. When mm-hmm. a fan is approaching them on the field, the players are supposed to run toward the dugout. We practice it. They know it. And Acuna, and I'm not doing victim blaming here, but Acuna stayed still. Secondly, the players know that if there is a player in trouble, you go help. It took quite a while for the other Braves to get there. Not blaming them. That's just a fact. It just happened. He was alone in right field. Security, it took a minute for them to get there. It would have been a better situation if when the first fan was heading toward him, Acuna took off. Mm -hmm. Because then the fan would not have caught him because the fan's not fast enough to catch him. And the security guard would have had time because you're drawing the fan closer to the wall or the dugouts where there's more security. So that was a failure in many regards. And it's too bad that we have to even talk about it as a failure. It's too bad that it happened. And I couldn't agree with you more. The level of fear that I felt for Acuna, both as president of a team, when he toppled over, all I could picture is what happened to Edwin Diaz at the end of the WBC. We're celebrating. He tore his knee and he's done for the year. That's all I was thinking about is if he fell wrong or twisted his knee wrong, he could have been out for a year. Yeah, and I don't know. You're right. I don't know how you go about doing it. I, you know, I do know if you look at the Rogers Center, there. I mean, there are fans right, right next to the field, those in the action seats. And mm-hmm. you know, I've spoken to people in the past, not about this incident, but of other uh, about other incidents. We were talking in relation to some of the things they used to do in soccer in Europe. But you know, this person was saying he could foresee a time where you basically have two, the the two rows close to the field aren't being used. And the idea is basically it's going to be hard as hell to get over, <laughs> to get through those seats and get onto the field if it's done the right way. But again, owners won't go for that because well, no, they're because giving up way too much revenue. Well, exactly. Those are those are expensive seats. But I, yeah, I, it stunned me that a bigger deal wasn't made out of it. Like I, I was just petrified. And you know, yeah, there were people in social media critical of the security staff and all that. But and then we just kind of moved on. And I thought. I, I, that really concerned me because that's, that's not normal behavior <laughs> to have a player yeah. s- grabbed and hugged by a, by a person. I, you know, it used to be, do you remember the, uh, the scene, we're going to age ourselves, but do you remember when Hank Aaron hit his record-breaking home run yes. and a young Craig Sager was on the field and ran toward him as he was running the bases? Mm-hmm. And or the Yankees when they would win and Chris Chambliss and Reggie Jackson were pushing down people to run toward the clubhouse back in the 70s. So there are examples when fans rush the field and we've we've sort of gotten past that, we thought. And now it's just individuals who do it. But there has to be punishment. And I know this fan got arrested, but I want it publicly announced. I want him in jail for trespassing. And it, I want it to be a deterrent because otherwise we're going to have to change security rules, which will be to the detriment of so many fans, and that'll be disappointing. But what happened in Colorado, it's simply 
cannot happen. David, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's great stuff. Hey, thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you, you too. too. It's David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, former Mar- former Marlins president. Did you see it? Yeah, I was, I, I, I was, I was stunned. And, and the first time I saw it, like I literally, it was on social media. I, I presumed if Acuna had been stabbed or something, I would have read about it. But I, you know, I didn't know about it at the time. All I saw was this guy running on running on the field. Um, yeah, I. You know, I I don't get the I've never gotten the running on the field look at me thing. Um, you know, I understand social media. You know, COVID's changed the way everybody's a lot of social mores and things like that. But um, yeah, that was that that was just that was that was really scary. Yeah, I know that's happened to to me and a bunch of buddies that I've played with in winter ball, where it's it's basically it's fend for yourself, like yeah. you're. You're running, and you, if you have to push somebody over, run through them, you know, jump over them like you're doing whatever it takes to get off the field as soon as you possibly can. So David was right. In the big leagues, I'm just not sure about that. It's a, such a secure place that you feel as a baseball player. Not, not, not verbally. Like, yeah. you're, you're getting it. But you know? your assumption is you should, but, uh, you're yeah. not going to worry about uh, your life and limbs standing, standing in left field or right field. You're, basically, you're standing there going, what's going on? Like, yeah. why? why? It's, the first thought is not run away. Did it's, you ever in the majors or in no, the minor I've leagues? Never. Have, I know winter ball is different. We've talked about that no. a lot. But uh, you ever had a situation like that where I've I've seen I've seen buddies try and go in stands after fans before. Pete Cavilla went and Rick Sweet was holding on to his legs, <laughs> like <laughs> trying to keep him from going into the stands. Pete Cavilla is a big man, absolutely. So I've seen that before, but I've never seen I, I've never seen a baseball player running away from a fan have you ever seen that i mean i've seen i'm I'm trying to think of the number of times because the jays used to we always used to kind of laugh about this but uh i don't i don't know if you remember this the the home opener back when the jays weren't all that good the home opener was all somebody would always get drunk and run i mean they would always be invading the field there was you know um i mean it was just a thing and um I don't ever remember I don't remember players running away but I don't remember I don't remember an incident where someone could physically put their hands on a player Yeah, I don't either. You know, that that is and I know you've seen it in soccer uh a couple of times mm-hmm. but soccer players do tend to run away. I mean, they run away from each other if there's a fight. So that's no um there's nothing there, but it was, uh, if you haven't had a chance to see it, just check it out. Cause it was, yeah, it was just kind of given the way society is now, it was, uh, an uncomfortable moment. I know when, and I don't know if Acuna was just too, there, there was secure, there's security on the field in, in foul territory. Yeah. Like it's, you'd do it once. You'd never do it again. Like they, they have dogs and. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a scenario that you'd want to put yourself through. See, I, I'm a big once. fan. If 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 somebody runs on the field, I am really a big fan of kicking the you know what out of yeah, them. Yeah, but most I, what, what, what players are going to run towards that? No, not I'm talking about security. Security yeah. people should have free reign to beat the living snot out of somebody when they run on the field. They yeah. really should. I I mean I have no I just have no I have no sympathy for that person at all. And um, yeah, I you know. Name and shame. I think it's I think it's intriguing how David talked about how they look at managers and and GMs and 
Yeah, because it kind of goes against what we say, right, yeah, about how is. managers managers operate the bullpen. Um, I still, the, well, my own thing, I still think that that's an area where they have the most impact. But I, I, this is why I always keep telling people, I don't, people say rate John Schneider as a manager. I, I mean, what information is he getting? Who's he getting it from? Uh, you know, this is a team that, that can't hit the, is that on John Schneider? I yeah. don't think so. It would it just suggests to uh, me that there's an issue with this organization when it comes to the information they're using, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why now, or how it's getting through to people. Now, now That's you, what I now think. you can nah. frown you can frown a little when you see somebody swinging three zero that shouldn't be swinging three zero. You see somebody trying to go home to third down two runs. You see somebody tagging up from third who should never be at third. Like, there's some things that you could look at that go, well, yeah. why are you doing that? Like, you know, to, uh, you see somebody trying to steal third in a 3-0 count. There were, there like, were, there's some things. We've seen some things from the Blue Jays. Like, again, I, to me, the whole Alejandro Kirk and third base thing is inexcusable. Absolutely. I'm sorry. That's I'm, inexcusable. I'm We've seen John uh, muck up the instant uh, video replay. There, that's one that's on John. Yeah. I understand. That's on John. Uh, but, um, yeah, by the way, a uh, little bit of news here. Our friend Josh Donaldson just uh, signed to a minor league deal by the Milwaukee Brewers. So there you go. The Brewers signing Josh Donaldson to a minor league deal. Maybe Josh will still get one more crack at uh, the postseason. Uh, because he will report to AAA Nashville by joining the organization, he will be eligible to play for the Brewers in the postseason. So Josh Donaldson signing a minor league deal, the Brewers. I just, I can see Josh Donaldson hitting one home run in September and having an impact. I don't know why. Just like two for 27 with runners that's in all right. position. I mean, that's why you're bringing him there. I, that's I guess. I'd Lightning like in a it. bottle. I'd like to see it. Ryan Spielborgs is host of Loud Outs and MLB Network as a Rockies TV analyst and Apple TV Plus as Friday Night Baseball analyst. He played an awful lot at Coors Field. He's going to tell Kevin Barker why everything Kevin Barker said in the first half hour about Coors Field is wrong. Yeah, he played there. When that he was joins us next, games. Ryan he Spielborgs joins us next. It's Blair and Barker. You'll get your... Just hear something else. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sports. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Horfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parker. I'm so sorry, Kevin. The uh, Jays have tonight off before they start a three-game series against the Colorado Rockies. Um, Hyunjin Ryu on the mound against Chris Flexen. Yusei Kikuchi on Saturday against Ty Black. Uh. And uh, Sunday, it'll be Kevin Gossman against TBC to be confirmed. 
Why, why are you doing That's that? It. Uh, uh, Kevin did a lot of work today, and I, I save feel, it. I feel guilty because what are you I, talking I, about? I think I kind of poo-pooed your work in the first what, the first what? hour about the three trust, guys hitting. Now that me. I've heard, trust me. Now that I've heard what's gone into trust it, trust me. Trust me. I didn't. I didn't do that much work. Now that I've heard what's gone into it, three dudes, seven home runs each. No. You're something else. What was the other one? No, I, you I, asked I, me. I, I forgot. 20, 20 RBIs? Ryan's here. Ryan's here. No, he's not. That's I where, forgot. Oh, he is I here forgot. now. Okay. <laughs> Good try, though. Okay. We'll uh, we'll get to Ryan right away. We'll whip through that. Then we'll go back and revisit We will it. not. We will. No, we, we will, will indeed. not. We will indeed. No. Ryan Spielberg's joins us on Blair and Barker. Uh, Ryan is host of Loud Outs on MLB Network Radio. He's a Rockies TV analyst and Apple TV Plus is Friday night baseball analyst. Ryan, thanks so much for joining Barker and me. Uh, Kevin says that all the talk about altitude and Colorado and all that is just BS. Can you uh, correct him? <laughs> well, wait, I mean, like, wait, which way do you want me to take it? You want me to tell you that any time a ball gets hit in the air, it's a homer? No, no, I did, no. Like, that, you, that's not what. Je, obviously, as a hitter, I may have dumbed it down a bit. I, I was a hitter. I used to love going in there. It was tremendous. It would give you extra feet on your ball and make you look like you knew what you were doing. I'm talking about everything else. Like, yeah, it, Jeff makes it sound like you can't walk on a field without an oxygen tank. Like that's, and it's just I, for a visiting team. I've lived there for 15 years. It's a tough thing. Like, drink water, and you'll be fine. <laughs> And you're there for three days. Yeah. You know, it's if you played there every day and you, 82 games and it was back and forth, yeah, you got an argument. Like, that's a thing. you got to figure all that out. But three days, I – no, I ain't buying that. That's just me. It, I mean, well, so, okay, a couple things. Uh, Colorado is really hard on your body. I mean, it, for a visiting player, for, for a home player, uh, you know, and I've witnessed it for years. You know, guys have played multiple years in Colorado. They break down. Yeah. They break down football players, basketball players, hockey players. So it's not just like baseball players. Um, so, you know, being an athlete in Colorado is hard on the body. Um, there's also some advantages for playing in Colorado. Um, again, using other sports, NBA. But what, did, what did the Nuggets do? They run up and down the court. Why? Because it's hard on the opposing players. Same with the Broncos when they've been good. They're a fast-paced offense. Um, when Colorado is good, it's, it's, they have hitters that take walks and can drive the ball out of the ballpark. Um, but, you know, there are some advantages. There are some disadvantages from a standpoint of, like, a baseball player, a pitcher. Um, we've already learned, like, there's some, there's some actual benefits to pitching. Uh, Hunjin Ryu, actually, if you take a look at his career numbers at Coors Field, they're really good. You know why? Because he can spin the baseball and he can pitch up in the strike zone. So, um, there's guys that if you can spin the baseball and if you can, you know, guys have less vertical drop on their fastballs at course field because there's less you know, resistance in the air from altitude. So there's, there's a bunch of different benefits from playing in Colorado. Um, but then there's also people that like freak out. Uh, they don't want to pitch here. Um, you know, the defense plays super deep because they don't want a ball over their head. And uh, that's where the disasters happen. Yeah. It's funny because, and, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of it too is. Well, I found it interesting. Saber did a did an in depth study in Coors Field, and one of the things that they concluded, and they're you know big analytics, obviously. One of the things they concluded is that one of the issues is it really does play with a pitcher's mind. 
And, you know, I can remember actually Dante Bichette telling a story about how when the Blake Street Bombers were going, uh, they would intentionally schedule their batting practice so that they were on the field in the cage when the other team was stretching, right? That was, didn't matter what they had to do. Dante said, you'd be in the clubhouse, you know, and Baylor, Don Baylor would run in and go, hey, they're on the field. Should we get our stuff on and we go out there and, you know, the other group would get the hell out of the way so we could go in the cage and just start That's hitting awesome. bombs. But it's, I think a lot of it is psychological too, isn't it? It is. Uh, I mean, but there is some, you know, if you have the outfielders playing too far back, uh, it's the GM, it's a GM hits that, that hurts you. It's not the, it's hard to hit a homer. Mm-hmm. Um, take a look at some of the expected homers. Like the Braves are just in town and they just set their franchise record in homers for the season. They already hit 250. They hit seven uh, in, in three games. And like the ones that they'd hit, they were, they were well hit. There, there was about four or five baseballs that they did hit uh, that were caught, that were outs. And like they were, those are expected homers in other ballparks. Yeah. So, you know, like the, like the home run is, it seems like, you know, hey, you go to Coors Field, you're going to hit homers. Coors Field's not the easiest place to hit homers in baseball. That part's documented, too. Um, it really boils down to throwing strikes, not walking people, uh, and then making getting outs, like making sure your defense. And, and luckily for Toronto, uh, for you guys, like you have one of the best outfield defenses in baseball with mm-hmm. Kiermaier and Varsho and, and Springer. So uh, you shouldn't be worried about it. If I'm a pitcher, I'm attacking the Rockies lineup anyway. Billy, when the Rockies gonna be good again? <laughs> mm. uh, well, they got some. They have some problems, right? They have a bunch of players that are not ready for the major leagues yet, but they're getting chances. There's some. There's some intriguing players too. Nolan Jones. I think when you watch him for the next couple of days, you're gonna really like Nolan Jones. The, the Guardians traded him, and and Rockies. Uh, Rockies are ha- really happy about this kid. He's he's gonna be special. Um, but it, it boils down to pitching. I mean. They just don't have a strong enough starting rotation. Uh, it's old. It's gotten old. Uh, there's some long-term contracts that, that may not um, that may not age well. Kyle Freeland, uh, we know Herman, who's been so good. He, he had Tommy John last year, this season, and, and he's out. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, Antonio Sensatella, Tommy John. So, like, they're, they're guys that they were relying upon uh, all blew out. And that's, that's normal, right? Like, like, pitchers getting hurt as they get older. We, we see that uh, it's accelerated in Colorado. So some of the decision making for the Rockies has kind of hamstrung them. Um, they haven't gotten any use out of Chris Bryant yet. <laughs> they have six years remaining on that deal. He's the third highest paid outfielder in baseball, by the way. Wow. Um, so it's just you know there's there's some things that need to be cleaned up. They need some development. Um, there are some signs that that they will be good eventually, but um, you're in a pretty tough division where. The, the Dodgers are not messing around. The, the Diamondbacks are up and coming. The Giants are always doing their thing. Uh, and then nobody can figure out the Padres. They just kind of leave them alone. Ryan, we're going to let you run, man. I know we only had you for a few minutes today. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, go Broncos, too, Pre- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, I'm heading to Cleveland right now for uh, Apple TV for tomorrow night. So Take awesome. care. Um, thanks for having me on. Thank Travel you so safely. Much. See ya. Ryan Spielberg is host of Loud Outs and MLB Network Radio, Rockies TV analyst, and he uh, is part of Apple TV Plus's Friday Night Baseball. Um, I really, I, actually, uh, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best part of it. Um, you could argue I li- that. I like Ryan as I an do analyst. Too. Um, yeah. 
just he's a smart. He's prepared. He's a, I like that. He's a smart dude. He is very. Um, he's a guy who really, you know, got the most out of his career, man. He really did. Yeah. Um, so there you go. It, and you know, it's it's as he was talking, it reminded me of a conversation I had with Aaron Sanchez when he was here, and he was talking about Troy Tulowitzki talking to him about the wear and tear of playing in Colorado over a long period of time. And he did make the same point you made about guys, the, the drain was playing your home games in Colorado, going to New York, going to Cincinnati, back to Colorado, going to the West coast, to Houston, the getting and that's where the, the, the Rockies use the hyperbaric chamber an awful yeah, lot yeah, for their absolutely. players. Yeah. Um, and one of the things the Jays did one year when they were there, and Sanchez said, is Tula Whiskey managed to get, they booked a hyperbaric chamber at some private clinic. And a couple of the Jays players used it because they were really, and it wasn't to get ready for the game. It was, I think Aaron had pitched in Colorado and said he just felt like crap the next day. So they ended up doing that. But yeah, I'm sure a lot of it is psychological too. Sure, a lot of it's psychological. Because I do remember that the Dante Bichette story was so funny. Oh, it's about, tremendous. About just oh. bringing the big boys out. And, and he said, oh, and we were, I remember him saying that even if it was a day off for us, we'd still hit in our regular group because, yeah. and you could tell guys would be stretching and, yeah. you know, and there was, and you know what those guys looked like, yeah. Larry Walker mm. and Dante Bichette and Vinny Castilla yeah. and Ellis Burks. Those are, those are big dudes and they yeah. come off with, with uh, you know the sleeveless sleeveless yeah. tops and the tights and uh, anyhow, um, hey, we've got uh, Jays and Royals tickets to give away uh, today and uh, say hi from Kevin. Uh, say hi from Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why I'm getting that phone call, but uh, it's uh, oh, it's somebody who's saying uh, oh. Kevin's right about the anyhow. Um, yeah, right. That's not true. <laughs> Uh, we've got Jays tickets Kevin to give away to see the stop to see the Jays and the Royals at the Rogers Center. We've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker. Whether you are listening on the radio or on the podcast, all you do is have to text the correct answer to five ninety five ninety to win. Our last trivia question and answer was: In which season did the Nationals franchise first make the postseason? And who was the manager? The answer was twenty twelve, and it was Davey Johnson was the manager of the Washington Nationals. Today's question is to win tickets to, tickets to see the Jays and Royals down at the Rogers Center on September 8th. This is a tough one. I would not have gotten this. Which Royal was named 2015 ALCS MVP when the Royals eliminated the Blue Jays to advance to the World Series? Again, which Royal was named 2015 ALCS MVP when the Royals eliminated the Blue Jays to advance to the World Series? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. I covered that series. Would not have gotten it. No. I, I guess two or three times. I got the same guess you had. Yeah. First name to come to mind. And I was so convinced. Was the obvious. And then it, it was wrong. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and then I guessed again and it was wrong. Yeah. And at that point, we thought, <laughs> Forget okay, it. at that point, we'll just, uh, <laughs> Look we'll, it just up. We'll, we'll just move on. Um. Oh, uh, a little bit of uh, housekeeping, by the way, uh, because we had our Bet Rivers segment uh, before. The reminder that that was between the lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new better game. late than never. Better late than uh, never. I think I may have read it, but anyhow, I will play the. What did Belt say something? Oh yeah, we're gonna play. Brandon Belt was on uh, the Foul Territory podcast today, 
Um, and a lot of it was the stuff you've heard from Brandon Belt before about him being the MVP and the interview he did about Shohei Otani. You like go, that, don't you? Oh, I love that. Yeah, I like guys who spend a lot of time thinking about trying to be funny. Uh, but anyhow, Brand, this is Brandon Belt and the Foul Territory podcast uh, talking about what it's going to take to make the playoffs. And listen very carefully, yeah, Mr. Barker, because he doesn't up. say three dudes listen and hit seven up. home runs each. Listen up. What will it take this last month, September? Hopefully you're still on the team as you find out tomorrow. Uh, what will it take this last, this last <laughs> month to solidify you guys as a playoff team? Because, again, the roster is one of the best rosters in the game, as you know. But they, they expect the, the, you haven't exceeded the expectations yet. Once you get into the playoffs, it doesn't matter what you do. What will it take for this team to get into the playoffs and do some damage? You know, it's, uh, for me, it's, you know, just from my past experience, it's going to take everybody and everybody stepping up. I mean, it can't just be one person going up there um, and making the difference on the team. Uh, obviously, we have some, some superstars on the team that can do that, that if they get hot, they can carry a team. But, uh, you know, I think to be a, a World Series team, a playoff team, you have to have multiple people step up uh, throughout the lineup, uh, throughout the entire team. Um, so, because we can't just rely on these, you know, these few superstars that we have, it's gotta be, uh, everybody stepping up, doing their role, uh, and, uh, playing good baseball and playing mistake free baseball in order to, uh, get into the playoffs. And I would say, you know, I'd be, you know, one of the first to admit that we've underperformed a little bit. Um, but it's not just, uh, you can't just put that on a couple of guys. It's gotta be every, every, every person standing, uh, stepping up a little bit. All right, so that was uh, Adam Jones asking the questions of, of Brandon Belt. So we're talking about guys who need to step up. They're, they're, I think he, they're going to need a lot of things. They're, they're going to need some luck. They're going to need some consistent stuff. To your point you earlier. You can't, no. You yeah. can't see guys going home to third, down two runs, getting thrown out thrown out that's what he's talking about like you you got to have some special things happen what i tried to explain in the first half hour and you laughed at me that that's if you want to go 18 and 10 and be have a chance not even saying 91 wins is going to do it because i don't think it will i think you're going to need more than that but it'll give you at least a chance to get in it and to do that you have to have multiple guys doing things that they quite frankly haven't done so a whole lot think? of who do you th- who do you think are the po- real who do you think are the possible like, the obvious guy is you know you talk about 3 and 7 home runs and all the numbers you threw out there and the the total bases the the first guy that comes to mind to me is Vladdy Vladdy's the one guy that would check all those boxes now I'm assuming that Bo is probably going to come back next week at some point maybe yeah but, I, I mean, all kidding aside, Vladdy's the only guy that would check all three of those boxes. I, I You know, to your point, yeah, even a healthy Matt, Matt Chapman, maybe. You know, another guy I would put in there, too, actually is Springer. I could see Springer doing that because I am a big yeah. believer. I'm a big believer in September George. Yeah, see, I'm a see, big see, believer see, in September see, George. See, the key is not to have three guys doing all of those things. It's to have three guys that can hit that many homers or – Two different guys that's driving I mean, in runs. Like you have I don't certain s- guys doing certain things I don't see that they haven't quite frankly been doing. I'm not saying they all have to do that. No, but, but an example to go eighteen and ten, that's a big number. And we just had David on saying the whole there's no chance eight and one. Nobody ever thinks that. Think six and three and whatever you do after that, even against really but bad I think teams. That's probably like that's six and three is not real good against teams that are really, really bad. 
And if a, if a front office person is thinking that, then maybe we should think along like that too. And it just adds to the things that they would have to do that they have not been doing. Yeah. Which is what I was trying to it does get, sort of throw out some things that maybe you, st you start to think about that it's not going to be easy. No, the, scary, the point. The scary thing is the only guy that could conceivably check all those boxes for me is Vladdy. Yeah, and, and, and nothing would tell you that he's been doing. No, you're that right. That he can have a can, month that's just. Can you think of can't somebody? Believe he's having that month. Can you think of somebody that could step up and out of not, the woodwork not and just really like I, you could you could think of a couple of guys that could hit seven homers, but those seven homers probably wouldn't add up to twenty RBIs. Yeah. Like it's those kind of things, right? You need to mesh some things together and get him going in sort of different directions when it comes to he's hitting a solo homer. He's hitting the, yeah. he's getting the two out, two out, two RBI double in the eighth inning, that sort of, and then you get that guy doing that. You get this guy doing this and then you mesh it together. And then you're 18 and 10 or whatever that number is. Number's going to have to be big and it's not going to be easy. So that was the point. It was maybe not well presented by myself, but we and then I got my eventually. friend here laughing. and no, We got around to it eventually. Okay. That's it for us. Uh, we will be back tomorrow from 5 to 7 Eastern. John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, will join us for his weekly uh, session. We'll ask him those questions. Thanks for watching. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet.